0: Good morning, church. It is so good to see you all here this morning. I am so looking forward to this coming year. It's weird that we'll be living in the 20s. Isn't that weird? Uh, Last last, uh, Sunday of the year, last Sunday of the decade, uh, I want to thank you for a wonderful year. I know I tell you all the time, my kids tease me for how often I tell you that I love you, but I do, I love you, and I'm so incredibly thankful for you, and I'm so excited about what God is doing and what I believe God is going to do through you, through this church family in this coming year. So let's be prayerful, uh, not only for our own individual coming years, coming year, but uh, this coming year as far as our congregation is concerned. We're wrapping up this series, Son of Man, and I thought it might be helpful if we sort of reviewed just a little bit where we've come the last few weeks uh, for those that may have missed some of the lessons in this Son of Man series, or for those of you like me that need a refresher every now and then. But Son of Man means human being, right? Human being. In in fact, in in the Psalms, in Psalm 8 specifically, the psalmist uses that phrase to mean humanity in general, all of humanity, humanity collective. But then Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, sees this vision of one special, unique human being who is lifted up and exalted. Hold on just one second before we get there. But lifted up and, and lifted on the clouds presented before God the Father, the Ancient of Days, and all nations worship, serve this one special Son of Man, this one special, unique human being. And we believe that Jesus is that Son of Man. Amen? Amen. We believe that He is both fully divine and fully human. And that he has received the kingdom and that he rules and reigns, which means, which means, the good news is we live in the era of the reign of the Son of Man. We live in a unique time in human history. That from the time Jesus ascended on the clouds, just as Daniel foresaw, that we began to live in the era of the reign. Of the Son of Man. And all throughout the Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus says things about the Son of Man this, and the Son of Man that, and the Son of Man this. And we have to read all of those statements that Jesus makes in light of what Daniel saw in his vision in Daniel chapter 7. So when we read his Son of Man statements, we have to understand that this is what the world looks like for the world to be ruled by one special human being who is uniquely partnered with God one special unique human being who is who is the son of man but is also unlike every human in that he is fully divine and he has been fully faithful to the father And because of his love and because of his faithfulness, he has been exalted to this position. And Jesus says all of these statements. And we read those statements and we say, okay, this is what it looks like to live in a world that is ruled by the Son of Man. So let's look at some of those things that Jesus says. We've looked at some of the ones from the Gospel of John But all throughout the gospel accounts, like Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Again, that's not just Jesus saying, hey, for for 33 years, this is the authority that I have. He's not just saying, I've got authority for a short time to forgive sins. He's saying, this is the authority that I have because I'm the Son of Man. And Jesus continues to have authority to forgive sins Of all of us earthlings, all of us human beings, Jesus has the authority to say to you and to me, by virtue of his own sacrifice, you are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father and then will repay each person according to what he has done. Or Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, speaking to the apostles, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Or Matthew chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or Matthew 26, 63 and following. And the high priest said to Jesus, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And as we talked about all throughout this series, this is good news for us. That a human being, that Jesus, yes, yes, fully divine, yes, but also a human being, that the Son of Man rules the world. It is good news for us that the Son of Man rules the world because he is things like our advocate, 1 John 2 and verse 1. He's the human representative who has come from here to there to represent us in the heavenly court. He is our mediator, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, mediating between God and man. Aren't you you thankful we have an advocate and a mediator? He is our older brother, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. He is our high priest, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It is good news that this divine human being This Son of Man rules the world. And we live in a totally new era of human history. And we have given our allegiance to the Son of Man. But here's the the practical question that I want us to wrestle with this morning. What difference does it make in our life that the Son of Man rules the world? What practical difference does it make in our life in your life, in my life, that the Son of Man rules the world. It's one thing to just talk about theology and just praise God and be thankful when we sit in here on Sunday morning and just say, yes, Jesus is divine and Jesus is human and Jesus is king, praise God that's true, and then go out on Monday morning and live like everyone else. We don't want to do that, do we? If we're living in a new era of human history, then we have to act like and live like a new new race of humans, put on a new humanity, and live differently. So there's the question is, what what practical difference does it make in our life that the Son of Man rules the world? And with that in mind, I heard an interesting story this week, and, and I read this on a website, and it actually struck me because the man that it was talking about, who they've actually done a documentary on and he's been featured in magazines, he actually at least lived at one time in Plano and his goal in life is to visit every Starbucks in the world, okay? Now, I've, I've had a lot of cups of coffee, but this dude, I mean, he's had way more cups of coffee than me. In fact, he has visited, as of this week, I checked his website, he's visited 15,210 Starbucks. Now, that's that's a lot of coffee, right? I mean, that's a lot of coffee. And, and he, he said, you know, the problem with his goal of visiting every Starbucks in the world is that even though he's visiting a whole lot of them, they're building them faster than he can visit them. And, and, and he said, you know what? Every time I, I visit one, I feel like I've accomplished something. But in reality, I've, I've accomplished nothing. And I thought that... That's really profound, and I wonder if we could all be so honest. We we pursue a lot of things, don't we? We have goals and hobbies and dreams. In fact, this time of year especially, we're starting to list out all of our goals for the coming year, and I'm going to pursue this, and I'm going to pursue this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to accomplish that, and we've got all of this list of things that we want to accomplish, and maybe we'll accomplish some of them, and maybe we won't. Who knows? But once we've accomplished it, what have we accomplished? Is our list of things that we want to do and check off of a list and we want to get done, what if you did get it done? What if you did accomplish it? What if you look back at this past year and you think of all the things that you've accomplished? Is it possible that you might be able to say with our friend here, when I've accomplished it, I've actually accomplished Nothing of real value or significance. So I want us to consider this that now that the Son of Man reigns, he gives us something that is really worth pursuing. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a goal or to have a hobby or to visit as many Starbucks as you want to visit, but we've got to have some things in our life that are really worth pursuing and that when we're chasing it and when we're doing it and when we're looking for it and when we grab hold of it, we've actually grabbed hold of something significant. And that's what the Son of Man gives us is something that's really worth pursuing pursuing with that in mind look at John chapter 6 because this is a story that's all about pursuing Jesus has just gotten done feeding the the 5,000 remember and they're hungry Jesus gives them the fish and the bread and then after the meal Jesus goes away by himself the disciples get in a boat and they sail away and Jesus goes away to pray and, and then after the meal is done they're probably hungry again it's the next morning and they're like okay where's that Jesus dude you know And Jesus says it's because they're hungry and they want some more bread. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus didn't get in that boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So... Verse 24, so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum. I mean, they're serious. We're gonna find this Jesus guy. And so they get into the boats and they sail across the sea seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now his answer, is not only fitting for them, but I wanna think about for just a minute this morning how fitting it is. For us. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs. And you say, wait, well, hold on, wait, wait, just a second. I mean, didn't they see signs, right? Didn't they, I mean, weren't they amazed by the fact that Jesus, with just a handful of fish and bread, he fed all of these people? Didn't they see the signs? But do you remember all throughout the Gospel of John, and we've spent the entire year in John, And John so often uses this word signs. Jesus uses this word signs, signs. And remember, a sign is not about itself, right? If you you blow through a stop sign and you just keep on going and you don't stop at the stop sign, it doesn't make any difference whether you actually saw it. Like, like, yeah, I know what a stop sign. It's eight sides, it's red, got big, white, bold letters on it. It says S-T-O-P. You didn't see the sign if you didn't stop because the sign points outside of itself to something else. If you could see these things that Jesus was doing and your only thought was, I want some more food, or I want to be healed. I want something right now for this ailment or this situation that I have right now. But you weren't thinking this is the son of man who has come into the world to rule over heaven and earth. This is the one, this is the Messiah. Everything changes for everybody in the world from this moment on. If that's not your thinking, you don't really understand the signs. And here was a group of people who were impressed by Jesus. They liked Jesus. They had dropped everything they were doing for the day, got in boats and crossed the sea to find Jesus. They wanted him and they wanted the bread that he provided. But they didn't really yet see him for who he was and understand that they were on the cusp of a new era in human history that this changed everything. And Jesus says to them, you you didn't really see the signs. You're chasing me because you ate your fill of the loaves. And here's what he says, do not work for the food that perishes. I mean, what if if Jesus had said, okay, you want some more bread? I'll make some more bread. Anybody got a few loaves? I'm gonna feed 5,000 again. He could do it, right? But if he had and they got all that bread, what's going to happen in a day or two? It's moldy. It's gone. They ate it. It's it's gone, right? It's only going to last for a minute. It's just temporary bread. It's food that perishes. And he says, don't work for the food that perishes. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can't have bread. Don't eat bread anymore. Don't eat food that perishes. Don't have a job and don't. Of course, that's not what he's saying. You say, but you you dropped everything and you chased me down so that you could have food that perishes. But here's what you should work for. Work for this. Strive for this. Seek this. Pursue this. What? The food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. God has said, this is the one. This is the son of man. And when the son of man is lifted up, the son of man will give food to you that will not perish, but endure, right? Everything else perishes. It's gone. It's good for the moment. Cup of coffee, it's great, But it it gets cold if you don't drink it, and if you do drink it, it's gone. And that's it. It's no more. But Jesus says, the Son of Man is going to give you food that endures, not just endures, but it endures to eternal life. What does that mean? The Son of Man will give you something that if you take it, and you chase it, and you pursue it, and you seek it, and you work for it, it will endure to preserve you for the age to come, right? Now, I mean, just sit with that metaphor for just a second. I mean, there's all kinds of movies and books and stories that have been written about like the fountain of youth, right? People that have sought the fountain of youth. I mean, what if there was like this pool of water and you drink this water, or in this case, food. If you eat this food, you'll live Forever, into the age to come, that this will preserve your life beyond death. What if there was such a food? What would you, what would you do for food for like that? What would you pay for food like that? I mean, think about the money we pay for food. I mean, we we live obviously in a first world country and we pay crazy amounts of money for food, right? I mean, we can, we can understand that, don't we? We pay crazy amounts of money for food. And, and we sit down to a great feast, a great banquet, or we go out to a nice restaurant and we, we get this great meal of food. And I'm not knocking it. It's great. I like to eat as much as anybody. But in an hour, it's gone. And if you're like me, faster than that, you know. I mean, but it's gone, It's gone. In a week, even the leftovers you took home in a doggy bag, they're gone. It's all gone. And you spent a bunch of money on that. You worked really hard for the money you spent on a meal that's gone like that. And Jesus says, the Son of Man, the Son of Man can give you food that will endure to eternal life. Work for that food it's It's not saying it's wrong to have other kinds of food, obviously. But we can fill our lives pursuing these temporary pleasures, can't we? And it's not just about food. It's about all the perishable things in our life that we chase. All of the perishable things in our life that we chase. Fame, fortune, popularity, Check your phone to see how many people have liked your Instagram post. I mean, we do this kind of thing, don't we? And it's temporary and it's fleeting and it's gone in a moment. And we chase it and we pursue it and we work for it and we strive for it and we sweat for it. We drop everything and we get in a boat and we chase these things. And Jesus says in a moment, they're gone. But the son of man, When the Son of Man reigns, he can give you bread that will endure to eternal life. Work for this food. This is the kind of food, this is the kind of thing that you should pursue, that you should work for. So, of course, the next question, Jesus says, work for that. The question then is, verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Well, what? Like, What does God want me to do to have the kind of food that endures to eternal life? If there was like an actual meal that you could eat and live forever, you'd say, well, who's serving that, right? I'll eat anywhere to have a food, a meal that's going to last forever. How much does it cost? Because I'll go and I'll sell everything I have to buy that meal, and I'm going to eat that meal, and I'm going to live forever. They say, well, What kind of works do we need to do to have the food that endures to eternal life? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it, isn't it? And when Jesus says believe, I hope we understand he doesn't just mean like one time give mental assent to who Jesus is. When Jesus talks about believing, in other gospel accounts especially, he would put it in terms of, be my disciple, follow me. This is what it is to believe, to trust in him, to follow him, to be baptized into him, to commit yourself to him, to give him your allegiance, because he is the son of man. He is the king. He is the high priest. He is the advocate. He is the one who rules and reigns. He is the one who has the authority to forgive sins. He's the one who gives eternal life. Pursue him. Follow him. Trust him. Drop everything. Get in a boat and chase him down. Not for food that perishes. Not not to solve some temporary problem. But because he's the one who can give you life for the age to come. And I don't want us to think about that. The things we spend our life pursuing, the things we get so wrapped up in. I mean, we we live in an incredibly politically charged environment, don't we? And all of these sons of men that are vying for our attention and for our allegiance. And we get so wrapped up in their rule and their reign. Not just in politics, in entertainment, in sports, in so many areas of our life. We get wrapped up in their rule and their reign, chasing them, pursuing them, the pleasure, the prosperity, the peace we think they can give us. And Jesus says, all of this, all of it is fleeting. It's all perishing. But the Son of Man reigns. Not just the Son of Man will reign, that's true too. And we will reign with him. But the Son of Man reigns presently, right now. And he can give you food that endures to eternal life if you will pursue him and seek him. Believe in him, trust in him, give him your allegiance. So, our question, a question, what are we pursuing? What are we pursuing? What are you pursuing? What are we chasing after? Again, I'm I'm not knocking visiting every Starbucks in the world, but at least the guy who's trying to visit every Starbucks in the world recognizes that even after he's accomplished some of those things, he's really accomplished nothing. How many of us can be so honest? That with all of our bucket lists and all of our to-do lists and all of our New Year's resolutions and all the things we want to accomplish in so many of those areas, if we accomplish them, and we may not, even if we do, what have we accomplished? What are we pursuing? What are we working for? What are we chasing? It's an amazing amount of peace that comes with understanding that, hey, this is nice. This meal is nice. This car is nice. This house is nice. These clothes are nice. This thing is nice. It's fine. I don't mind having it. But if I need to lose it, if I need to sell it, if I need to give it away and share it with someone else, I could do it because these aren't my pursuits. Because these things are perishing. There's an amazing amount of peace that comes with knowing what actually endures. And it's Jesus. And his reign, this is what endures. That's why when Jesus, John chapter 11, or well, actually before that, when Jesus was with Mary and Martha, remember in Lazarus' house, and, and, and one sister was so busy doing so many things, Martha was getting everything ready and Mary was doing what? Sitting at Jesus' feet. And she was concerned, my sister's not helping me, she's not doing what she's supposed to do. And he says, you're so concerned about so many things, but there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary has chosen that. We're so concerned and worried about so many things. We're pursuing so many things. And so many of them are temporary and perishing. Are we chasing and pursuing the one thing that endures, and that's the reign of the Son of Man. We we are the privileged ones in that we already know this, and it's our privilege not only to live in it and embrace it, but to share it with our neighbors. So here's our moment of truth question, our final, last moment of truth question this year, just to wrestle with and sit with for a little bit. What would your goals for 2020 be? if you were really seeking the food the Son of Man gives? What would your goals be? That that doesn't mean don't have a goal to lose weight and don't have a goal to exercise more. I mean, those goals are fine. But what would your goals be if you really were intentional about saying because the Son of Man reigns, And because the Son of Man has changed everything, because Jesus gives the food that endures to eternal life, here are my goals. Here's what I'm pursuing. Here's what I'm living for. What would your goals be? Maybe it would be sharing that truth with more people if we really believe that the Son of Man reigns and that he gives food that endures to eternal life, and what is that food, by the way? Himself, his own body and his own blood, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. If we believe that that's true, then one of our goals might be to share that with our neighbors, One of our goals might be more be more intentional about thinking about that truth and dwelling on that truth and singing about that truth and studying about that truth. You see, for this congregation as a whole, we've got some pretty monumental goals for 2020, don't we? The coming years, we've got some big, huge goals. We've only set those goals. Our shepherds have only set those goals because they believe the Son of Man reigns. They believe we are living in an era of human history where the Son of Man reigns now and will reign forever. And because the Son of Man reigns, we believe that the world needs to hear the good news about his reign. They need to hear the good news about his authority to forgive sins. They need to hear the good news that the the Son of Man is the one to judge human beings. They need to hear this good news. And because they need to hear this good news and we need to hear this good news and this is what really matters and this is what really endures and this is what's really worth pursuing, we've set these goals in front of us because we believe these truths. So what would our goals for 2020 be, individually and collectively, if we're really seeking that which only Jesus can provide? Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to begin that journey. You've not been baptized into Jesus and you've decided today is the day when I pledge my allegiance to the Son of Man. Well, I pledge, pledge my allegiance to Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, that I believe in Him and I want to receive from Him His body, his blood, that if I have him, I can live forever. Or maybe you've already pledged yourself to Jesus, and you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Or maybe you just need these other people here that love you and love Jesus to pray with you and encourage you. Our shepherds would love to do that after service in the prayer room, or right now you have this opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.